0: Hi and welcome back to another We Do Science Guru Performance Podcast. Today is episode 63 and I'm uh, very pleased to bring to you from down under today um, Professor David Pine. Um, Welcome David.
1: Uh, thanks very much for the opportunity to uh, join in on the webcast.
0: No, I'm, 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 it's a pleasure to have you on. I know you guys are, are always busy. Um, I, I, I get people from all over the world doing these uh, these podcasts, but the, the the ones that are interestingly challenging are the um, are the ones that are on the complete other end of the uh, of the of the uh, world clock, so to speak. And um, in, in the UK, of course, we joke about you guys being down under because you're sort of on the opposite end of of the country. Um,
1: so a, l- a long way away, but we are connected digitally. So we, we are, we are,
0: we are, we are, we are. We're connected in all sorts of ways. At least we, we, we kind of speak the same language, David, I think. <laughs> um, so for listeners that don't know who you are, um, obviously I've mentioned your Professor David Pine, um, and I know that you're with the Australian Institute of Sport, but perhaps you could give us um, just a, a quick bit of background about who you are, um,
1: what your work and research interests are and that sort of thing. I'd be happy to. So I'm a a practitioner researcher uh, working at the Australian Institute of Sport uh, with over 20 years of experience. So my specialty expertise is in uh, exercise physiology and within that I've done a lot of work in and around uh, exercise immunology and nutritional immunology. So I've done a lot of work in the field um, had a great opportunity to work directly with coaches and high-performance programs, uh, but also in a research uh, setting in collaboration uh, with universities and other organisations, both in Australia and also internationally. Uh, I've been able to undertake uh, quite a bit of applied, uh, some clinical and some laboratory work. So I guess I've had that opportunity to see both sides uh, as a practitioner working Uh, on the pool deck and in the running track and the basketball court uh, but also uh, with a a wide range of colleagues uh, from nutrition to uh, sports medicine to SNC so I probably do fit that uh, category as a practitioner researcher.
0: No that's great yeah I would consider myself a a practitioner researcher um, uh, although I've been a practitioner for a lot longer than I've been a researcher (laughs) it's kind of a new thing for me. Um, So listen um, the, the reason why I wanted to get you on David is I know you have a wealth of experience and the way this podcast has, has sort of developed has been very much on that practitioner researcher front. It's this sort of combination of science and then taking that science and how we allow that or use that to transform practice or, or inform um, our practice. Um, And there was um, um, a recent paper in the European Journal of Sports Sciences that came out that you were the lead author of, um, which is entitled Probiotic Supplementation for Athletes, Clinical and Physiological Effects, which, um, uh, of course, I recommend all the listeners uh, do please read that paper. And I'm interested in this for a number of reasons. I've been interested in probiotics for a long time uh, for a variety of reasons, Um, and I, I, I think... You know, I I say this a few times about certain things, but you really, really do have to have been living under a rock um, if you don't know anything about probiotics. Um, But the nature of of these things, uh, particularly because this will this will come mostly from the sort of medical clinical uh, literature um, and particularly as it relates to um, a very rapidly growing and really quite a big um, part of the supplement industry is, is this probiotic situation um, it, it, you know it is this understanding that that these bacteria can play a profound role in human health and um, I've said it many a time before and it's not uh, it's not often focused enough on is that that although we're primarily interested in athletes and performance in in this podcast athletes are human beings first and you know essential to all humans of course is, is their health so as performance practitioners whether we're sports scientists uh, strength and conditioning coaches uh, physiologists sports nutritionists sports medical people Um, you know we do want to take an interest in anything that that can have a a positive and or negative impact in the overall health and well-being of our athletes or clients because that will affect everything that we try and do our interventions our our training adaptations uh, prevention of illnesses all sorts of things that we'll get into in In this podcast um, and of course with the um, understanding of of the importance of the uh, the microbiome and how that potentially influences how the body interacts with its environment and its genetics and so on and there's been some amazing stuff on that it's it's pretty awesome but there hasn't been a whole lot of focus on actual probiotic supplementation specifically for athletes and um, I felt that your EGSS paper was um, a particularly welcome addition. Um, I know it's not the only piece, I, I don't want to give the impression there hasn't been anything out there, but um, firstly, perhaps you could just give us um, a quick um, overview as to why you and your team there felt it necessary to, uh, to write this, uh, this article.
1: Well, you're right. Obviously, there's a lot of interest in this uh, topic, so healthy eating, and we can all relate to that uh, whether we're into high-performance sport or recreational pursuits or even just for everyday living. So, And it is uh, challenging because, in some ways, uh, the marketing and uh, the hype or the vibe on supplementation uh, is certainly out there. And in some ways, you're correct that the amount of... uh, sort of scientific evidence um, is lacking in that area related specifically to elite athletes because in actual fact in terms of probiotics most of the work has been done in pediatrics so looking at uh, healthy eating for young children some of the illnesses and the medical uh, conditions that they face in early childhood so if you went onto one of your search engines uh, you would find a lot more papers on probiotic applications for, for kids. I guess the other area that people think of when you say probiotics is, uh, as you say, gut health. Yeah. And there's increasing interest in gut health for all sorts of reasons. And obviously we know nutrition is important from a, an energetic uh, substrate utilization point of view. So providing energy to undertake physical activity and sports. And so that's the whole area, the traditional areas of sports nutrition, uh, but obviously the way that substrates um, are metabolised, you know, is an important role of the gut. So we are interested in uh, gut health for healthy eating for performance. But the other side of the gut is in terms of common illnesses. So a lot of the early work in probiotics was focused around gut problems, and this is where interest in athletes, you know, first really started to take off. And obviously in the population, and as you said, athletes, uh, you know, part of the population, there are individuals there who are more prone to common gut problems. And we think of uh, things like irritable bowel syndrome, uh, and obviously people who have issues with uh, upset stomachs, particularly in relation to exercise. So when you push yourself to exhaustion, uh, that's something that you know we do see people report uh, problems with up- upset stomachs, which can come at the time of competition or in training so things that we've all probably experienced so diarrhea uh, loose stools uh, you know stomach cramping uh, so it's common symptoms that uh, some athletes um, have to deal with and some people obviously only smaller number you know, really experience quite debilitating symptoms mm. so that journey is one that we've um, embarked on over a period of years so trying to come up with solutions uh, for people, uh, be they recreational or uh, gym enthusiasts and certainly into high-performance sport who run into problems on that gut side. And then the other side that the uh, paper touches on is more uh, healthy eating for a general boost to the immune system. So we've got some studies and other people have pointing to the general benefits of probiotics, uh, in particularly in relation to respiratory illness. So even though some athletes uh, report problems with um, gastrointestinal uh, health, uh, a lot of athletes, the main issue they face are just the common colds of the upper respiratory tract. So a lot of our work directed towards, you know, where are the benefits? It looks like there's a range of benefits from probiotics, both in terms of um, gastrointestinal tract but also in the respiratory tract.
0: Yeah, I you know, I think what's going to be exciting about what we chat about today is that this this really is appropriate for everyone. Um, and by everyone, I mean, literally, everyone will be touched in one way um, by this. And what we learn about this, whether it's clinical and or performance related, it, 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 is, of, it is of interest to everyone. And I think that um, for me personally, I, I find this particularly fascinating. Once you start delving into, you know, what probiotics are and how they work and how they Um, can affect human health and by virtue of that impact upon performance is pretty mind-boggling. And we've talked about over numerous podcasts, uh, you know, this is the 63rd one. I mean, I've had all sorts of people on when we talked about everything from, um, you know, the sort of molecular signaling side of things and um, the importance of just basic foundational stuff. Um, You know, one can often you know, think about supplements in particular as something that's really only going going to be a marginal gain situation. But this is one area that I think that that potentially could go much further than just marginal gains. Um, Obviously, it's very individual. And, you know, I'm going to extract different areas of this out of you so that we can get into it. Um, But I, I guess what we should do is we shouldn't assume that everyone even knows what we mean by a probiotic. So perhaps you could you could just tell us what actually is probiotic? What does that word even mean?
1: Well, probiotic is uh, obviously a live bacteria um, that's part of the body's normal uh, digestive tract. So in the typical human adult, you know, so you're talking maybe like a, a 70 to 80 kilo uh, adult, that there's a lot of bacteria that reside um, in the gastrointestinal tract, and that's part of the body's normal processes to break down foodstuffs. So, it's certainly an essential part of of living. So, uh, in that typical person, there's about uh, three quarters of a kilogram of bacteria uh, in your gut. And so, there's billions and billions of uh, bacteria uh, in the gut, comprising of about 500 different species of bacteria that that have been, um, obviously, analysed in a whole range of, of studies, mechanistic studies have been done you know uh, recent decades and in terms of sports medicine which is our focus today um, there's been about 15 different probiotic species that have been examined and these names would be familiar to most people so you know lactobacillus uh, acidophilus uh, is probably the most common name and, and bifidobacteria so the sort of Uh, work that's been done now by pharmaceutical and food ingredient manufacturers that are in the commercially available yogurts and probiotic capsules. So the ones you can buy in your health food store or in your supermarket. So probiotic supplementation. And most of those um, would comprise of one or more of these common species. So, uh, you know, the Lactobacillus acidophilus or Bifidobacterium, and the various subspecies. So if you're looking in the uh, the chemist, the health nutrition shop or your uh, supermarket aisle, and obviously you know, trying to promote uh, being good consumers, looking at uh, the type of uh, bacteria. So some of those do have evidence base and they're things that we can um, measure um, in the gut and particularly the transit of the bacteria going through. And again, I think a lot of people, uh, listeners would, Uh, recognize the terminology of the good and bad bacteria. So it's all about the balance of those bacterial species in the gut. And so there are periods either through underlying medical conditions or perhaps exercise stress or some other uh, unknown reason where the balance is upset. So uh, there are periods where maybe uh, the balance is disturbed and that can affect the immune system and obviously the gut in terms of those symptoms that we mentioned. So a lot of this story emanates about maintaining good gut health, and so that's through everyday eating. So as you said, uh, even though a lot of discussion is about whether people take supplements and probiotic supplements or not, and I'm sure you've discussed a lot uh, through your programs here about... uh, top-down approach, certainly a uh, process that we adopt. So we look at uh, lifestyles, we look at healthy eating, we look at dietary review and break that down um, and see uh, whether there's some underlying healthy eating issues. And then part of that, we might then look at perhaps the benefits of various uh, supplements. So it's always the combination of healthy eating as well as specific recommendations for supplements to maintain the uh, balance of bacteria in the gut.
0: Yeah, I mean these 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 little these little buggers I call them are really quite fascinating because you know we we literally sort of walk around in existence um, in a in a state of mutual existence, don't we? It's not a case of some of us have these bacteria, some of us don't. We obviously have different types, and we'll get into that and different levels based on a number of factors, but. But we, I mean, this is a mutual existence
1: that we have, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And you know, we mentioned before about the microbiome. So uh, that's the, the combination of all these uh, bacterial species. And, of course, one of the difficulties for researchers is that it's not an easy thing to study and to get at. So uh, it's not something that we can do either with athletes or even with um individuals is to take samples of the stomach um, so a lot of this is by inference by looking at um, obviously what passes through the gut so we can do food studies and supplement studies and obviously that's some of the work that we've done and many other groups in uh, nutrition and in sports nutrition uh, and then obviously uh, we can measure what comes out the other end um, so a lot of this is in the area of uh, blood and particularly stool analysis So, which is not an easy thing to discuss or an easy thing to volunteer for in in some ways. Mm. Uh, So, um, there's work that goes on to looking at the changes in the composition of the stool. And, uh, again, because it's not an easy thing to study, there's still a lot to learn about, well, what is obviously a normal composition of the bacteria and how it might change, you know, from day to day and what's the normal variability in and around that. And then we... um, We can change the diet, so uh, the macronutrient intake and the composition of foods. And obviously in sports nutrition, it's a lot about the timing of the foods, particularly in relation to training and and competition. Uh, And then trying to assess the effects of that diet, both in terms of symptoms. So how do people feel? Are they feeling better in terms of uh, maybe a reduction in the problems that they're having? So they're saying they've got less cramping, less uh, gas uh, less discomfort um, but also for scientists uh, like me and many others in this related fields looking for changes uh, in the immune system either through blood tests or looking for changes in stool composition. Uh, so as you said that's uh, a fairly difficult thing to uh, process takes time. Uh, and so the science on that, quite quickly but there's a lot to learn both in terms of medical applications as I mentioned in pediatric science Mm. and in various clinical settings in terms of people with uh, irritable bowel and gut health but also other immune disorders like uh, psoriasis you know disorders of the skin so our focus is on probably gut health and the immune system and as I mentioned before the respiratory system uh, so we can look at the clinical effects and then eventually sports performance, um, but obviously other experts in the field can look at changes in the immune system in terms of blood, saliva, and fecal testing.
0: Yeah, I mean, of course, as we're always discovering every time I talk to the you know to the leading experts about these sorts of things, is what we currently know about these things hasn't quite caught up to. Um, what the supplement industry claims that we know <laughs> so um, you know it's it's an ongoing area it's clearly a big one um, and like you've pointed out that there's just there's a huge amount of interest in how this influences health in young and old and the infirmed and now of course how this potentially impacts upon performance and I, I've i actually uh, as I said I, I've got a lot of interest in this and I've done a an instructional video about this that's on my own um, good performance website about about them and there's sort of three main areas that I see that these things exert an influence, which would be a protective role, a structural role, and a metabolic role. Which folks can watch that that video another time, but. Um, you know we we use the word probiotic Um, if you just google that it sort of means um, for health doesn't it pro health Um, but they might also come across another term which is called prebiotic just so that folks aren't getting overly confused by these terms could you perhaps just tell us what a prebiotic
1: is sure and I think the the common way to describe the prebiotics is uh, the sugars or the polysaccharide, you know, if you're getting some of the scientific terminology. So, again, we talk about maintaining this balance and the harmony uh, within the gut with the different species. Uh, the other side of that is, uh, is the fueling of the bacteria. So, you know, we look at, obviously, sports nutrition about fueling the body and the, the muscle contractions and little, the macronutrient, so all the things that we discuss in terms of carbohydrate utilisation and fats and proteins so it's an everyday discussion point about uh, fueling and how we organize that around training and exercise and competition well the same thing is probably going on within um, the gut and so that's to fuel these uh, probiotics or these biotic species and that's where the prebiotics come in so these are the sugars or the polysaccharides uh, that are used by the probiotics so it's this sort of synergistic interaction and so as you foreshadowed there the pharmaceutical industry there's a lot of very uh, you know nice work that goes on there but they're pretty clever in getting on the front foot and so a lot of the formulations that you can now purchase in your health store or in your sports nutrition store are these uh, multi-formulations which have a combination of prebiotic species but also probiotics and so the idea there is Obviously, you're dumping in more good bacteria to restore the balance or to enhance the uh, balance in the gut, but you're also um, providing uh, some of the uh, the fuels or the energy substrates for the good bacteria uh, to do their work. So, you know, there's a, a, a scientific rationale for doing that. And, again, you know, the studies do take years to do, but potentially, um, you know, those multi-formulations and, again, you know, to get the right, the right combination of um, probiotic species uh, with potentially probiotics and other additive agents. So a multi-formulation or a cocktail uh, supplement. So sometimes that's marketing, but I think there is, you know, you can make a scientific case for that could be a more effective um, way of boosting, you know, gut health and then potentially eliminating those gut problems and getting a general boost to the immune system.
0: Yeah, and well, uh, towards the end of the podcast, we we'll get, we can get more into uh, into that side of things because um, it's obviously important. Um, but uh, I, I I guess one of the things that I find very interesting is how these microorganisms that reside in our in our gut, you know, they they obviously feed off what we give them, um, and the byproduct of their own feeding their their waste products if you like their, the, the byproducts of their own metabolism of, of their foods in themselves provide us and our tissues with many of the beneficial things that that we associate with these organisms so of course it's not just a case of taking probiotics it's also it's still important that we eat right um and um, again i think people forget that when they they, they take this sort of, um, take a pill to solve a problem type mentality. It, it's still, you still have to get your overall lifestyle and diet right. And, and that's why I like this word where they are synergistic with us. Um, you know, there's a mutual relationship there and, and, um, uh, you know, I know we don't know everything there is to know about that, but it is clear that there is an interesting influence there. You can't just take um, you know the pills and get all the benefits. There are other things in place. So, what what would those other things in place need to be? I mean, what, we've mentioned prebiotics, of course, but what, what are the what are going what are going to be the key factors before we go into more of the specific sort of mechanistic stuff? What, what I mean, what, what's important for these things to actually
1: work? Well, I think if we go back to sports nutrition, so we're thinking of uh, obviously. Uh, the dietary choices and providing this uh, balance between macronutrients, so your carbohydrates, fats, and proteins, and then with the micronutrients, so all the, the vitamins and minerals um, and the micronutrients. So uh, electrolytes, and so I think of sports drinks and uh, obviously maintaining good electrolyte balance for muscle contraction, but also, um, you know, so it's this sort of salts and glucose, so electrolytes – carbohydrate drinks it's not just for muscle uh, contraction and activity but it's about providing a good environment for um, digestion so we're thinking of obviously the amount of foodstuffs and the type of foods so they're things that people know instinctively you know with our everyday living so what people tolerate quite well so in terms of amount and volumes uh, and Obviously, we're talking about getting enough carbohydrates, fats and proteins, but also the temperature. We know that from the sports uh, drink uh, research and literature around that, and also the timing of foods. Uh, So there's some sort of uh, biophysical, mechanical issues in there as well. So how much food is is passing through um, and obviously feelings of fullness and discomfort in and around the ability to do exercise. So we can get down to, you know, the biochemical and substrate utilisation, but I guess the way that my colleagues would talk, you know, from sports nutrition, from the microbiology, to provide the best opportunity for digestion and for the gut to do its thing to then digest the food to provide all the substrates and all the good things uh, that come from food. Mm. We need to provide a good environment from that. So that's the amount of food as well as the different types of food the way it's delivered, and even things like, you know, what people tolerate in terms of spicy foods. So people who like their curries and their chilli, um, they especially, go for that. Especially so here good, in the UK, David. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. I think like a good, good curry. And uh, so I think people work that out through trial and error. Mm. But now in this era, there's a lot of information uh, around and experts who are willing to help. So that's that, that nutrition review uh, and obviously working with your trainer or your team coach, or your strength and conditioning coach, and then this area of gut health is a subset that comes in under nutrition. So as we said before, I mean, I work with a range of, of colleagues, so my background is in exercise uh, physiology and nutritional immunology, but I need to work with the dieticians who do look, are experts in that area of healthy eating. Plus, at the other end, I work with experts in microbiology who know, you know more about the measurement of these bacterial species and then I also work with immunologists who can look at the upregulation of the immune system so yeah you know, it does get quite complex and you know there's an expert uh, for everything so this area I often think about going back to basics that people understand but getting them to then think a little bit about uh, what they don't know and then getting the expert advice um, to come in that might help them
0: absolutely so um, you know, as it relates to um, this sort of rather interesting topic of uh, carbohydrates, um, you know, it's, it's a big thing right now and it's become very controversial. Um, um, you know, it's a very polarized debate, in fact, as you know, where a lot of people are going on about, you know, not eating carbs, going as sort of... Keto adaptation and that sort of thing. Um, I know there's a a lot of work on uh, train low, train high. I've had John Hawley um, has been on uh, um, and James Morton and and the such. Um, But one area that often doesn't get discussed in this debate over um, carbohydrate manipulation and availability is the involvement that carbohydrates do actually have um, on these these um, probiotics, perhaps you could just I know we, we, we've sort of sort of mentioned that these foods do influence these bacteria, but how important are carbohydrates to these organisms?
1: Well it's both a, a direct and indirect effect. so as we mentioned before the prebiotics, so the polysaccharide products are used as the fuel source so that's one angle of uh, the carbohydrates so in terms of providing the, the fuel for the uh, bacteria. But as you said, if you're coming back more to the uh, carbohydrate content of diet and how that might influence um, the uh, microbiome and the balance between the good and bad bacteria, and it's an interesting question, and I think, um, you know, there's more questions than answers there. So as I said, it seems likely in a logical way, that you know, carbohydrates uh, play an important role in substrate utilization for muscle contraction and other um, cellular types uh, outside of the, uh, the gastrointestinal tract, but also uh, inside. And I think, you know, the studies that are going to come in the next few years, and we're still trying to characterize, you know, which are the best probiotics, and then potentially which are then effective multi-formulations or cocktail formulations with pro and prebiotics, Um, but then that's the question that you've asked you know well how do we then think about combining it with dietary recommendations so uh, is there a certain uh, dietary content that might give a more favorable environment for probiotics to work I guess the answer is we don't know that yet and certainly not in in elite athletes because it's really three or four things happening at once there's the exercise and training there's the substrate utilization and then there's this new interesting area of what's happening to the gut and the immune system. So these things are really uh, starting to come through. So the questions are there, but I think as I foreshadowed before, I would look both at the macronutrient balance and the timing for training and competition. And I think, you know, we start to ask the questions there, well, what does that mean for probiotics? So you asked about, you know, is there a basis for um, loading up probiotics at certain times of the year or perhaps in relation to training competition in the same way as we say is it best to train with a lot of carbohydrate or do we train low and force the body to adapt to then give a heightened response when you reintroduce the carbohydrates so there's so a lot of question, as you said it's quite a controversial area but I would have similar questions and I guess other people who work in this area uh, are starting to ponder the same question. So, how do we use probiotics? And the current guidelines that we've developed and other people have looked at as well, you know, are really short-term recommendations. So if you're having issues with the gut or you're looking for a, perhaps a boost to the immune system, then we say, oh, we'll go on a course of probiotics, so you go and see your dietitian or nutritionist, or your general practitioner, or your sports practitioner. A sports physician or a sports medical practitioner, they would say, "Okay, you're having problems. Uh, Potentially, probiotics might be a useful solution." And as we said before, uh, we're getting some good results with probiotics, both in terms of just clinical experience and some of the research projects. But by no means do they have a a big effect. And the words that we use in the uh, the review paper that you mentioned are small, variable benefits. So some people seem to respond quite well and get benefits and other people perhaps not so much. And there are one or two cases of people who actually get uh, adverse effects, particularly early on as they take probiotics for the first time. um, As the body's bacterial balance changes, it's not uncommon to get what we call stomach rumbles. Mm. And that can actually worry athletes if they're getting ready for competition so at the moment, our experience and our understanding and the research is really focused on short-term studies. So what happens when you put people on a course of probiotics? So we're still in our infancy uh, in terms of our understanding of how best we might use probiotics. So the early work is promising, but there's a lot of work to be done before we get confident about exactly the advice that we give in terms of long-term use and how we might combine it with other nutritional strategies and how we might work it for people who have specific issues in and around. So at the moment we're taking small baby steps and it's always going to be a combination of individual experience of how people respond plus what we've learned as practitioners plus what the research work tells us. So we're always careful not to... uh, get ahead of ourselves. And so the early research is promising, but we're still learning as we go. Sure. And, I, you know, as
0: you're saying that, and it has previously occurred to me that, of course, the more we learn about th- these things, um, the more problems we're going to have in our research, because, of course, this becomes an additional variable that can influence what we learn from our studies on things like substrate um, um, availability and, uh, impact on say training, you know, all these studies on, uh, carbohydrate and how it affects, um, uh, various, uh, training adaptations. Well, of course, one additional factor to that would also be the, uh, that, you know the the, the, the probiotic uh, or the, the you know the microbiome situation, which is a variable that perhaps needs to be controlled for and we maybe need to start doing studies where we're also looking at the levels of these bacteria before we draw too many conclusions. <laughs> uh, so um, obviously costs will continue to rise as these studies start to occur, particularly you know um, if we're looking at this idea of individuality, you make this comment about, effectively responders and non-responders, well, um, there are many factors that will influence someone's ability to respond or not respond, which could of course be the presence of the existing presence of bacteria in the gut. And, um, we can talk about that in a minute, actually. So I'll, I'll, I'll come back to that. So David, um, um, let's just delve into some of the specific areas then that these probiotics um, exert. A, uh, a potentially beneficial effect, uh, particularly as it relates to athletes. Um, so one of the big areas, of course, that we we see with this is probiotics and immune modulation. Perhaps you could just give us an overview of that.
1: Sure. We've been talking a lot uh, about gut health, uh, but I guess part of the other biology is this common mucosal immune system, so the mucosal immune system uh, really provides the immune protection at the entry and exit points into the body so the mucosal immune system provides that protection through uh, the mucosal linings of the respiratory tract so the nose and the upper respiratory airways into the lower respiratory system but also in the gut uh, and around the anus and also around the reproductive organs so in terms of our focus it's on this uh, gut and also the respiratory system so this common mucosal immune system and if you speak to the experts in that area one term they use is this uh, crosstalk so these things don't occur in isolation so what goes on in the gut definitely has an effect and we think of obviously the circulating blood obviously that transports blood cells and proteins very quickly around the body and is the lymphatic system that transports immunoglobulins uh, in another part of the immune system. And obviously, the uh, common mucosal immune system, as the name implies, um, connects these various organs and body systems, so this idea of crosstalk. So that's where this idea of if we can improve gut health, we may actually get a general immune boost. And it's a bit the same as a slight tangent, uh, the effect of the flu vaccine, So we know there's this whole thing about specificity of the flus, and so each winter season, whether in the Northern Hemisphere or the Southern Hemisphere, obviously flu vaccinations, you know, comes as a pretty prominent health message in the uh, autumn in preparation for the winter flu season. And they're all about the specific flu. So we have different strains of flu, and so each year there'd be a a cocktail which would provide antigens against specific uh, flu Uh, that are dominating that year. But we also know in terms of measuring the immune system that people seem to get a a benefit um, in other general immune measures. So it's this sort of boosting uh, response to the flu vaccine. I think we might also be seeing evidence of that with probiotics. So as I said, really the applications are moving beyond just gut health into, as I said before, about skin conditions and other autoimmune areas. But for athletes... Uh, our interest is in um, respiratory health. And we've done a few studies now where if we give uh, probiotic supplements and to boost uh, gut health, we're actually seeing um, some beneficial effects in respiratory health, which for us is important because uh, for most of our athletes, and speaking here in the Australian context, and I think the same would apply in many other nations, that uh, the more common presentation is the uh, common cold and so for us uh, the gut issues you know for those athletes who have them can be quite debilitating or inconvenient Um, but those athletes are small in number so you know in terms of our athletes training it's just the odd one that would present with gut problems but we seem to have a greater presentation of the respiratory system uh, problems, and so when we were measuring the effects of the probiotics, we seem to be uh, picking up you know, people having uh, reduced numbers of illnesses or reduced days of symptoms. And uh, there's various ways you can measure that. So the clinical effects uh, seem to come through both reduced gastro symptoms and also respiratory illness symptoms. And as you mentioned, you know how do we measure improved immune function? So we're measuring the effects of the probiotics more directly through stool samples and blood samples. So we can measure the uh, bacterial species and also some of those byproducts like the fatty acids. So one way you're getting into the substrate and the biochemistry that the probiotics affects um, gut health is by fatty acids, which we can measure in the stool and in the blood. But in the respiratory System, we measure things like um, the salivary immunoglobulins. So we're looking for changes in some of the blood parameters of the immune system, but also some other tests of the immune system that we can easily do in volunteers, but also in athletes, which is the mucosal immune system and looking at salivary IGA. So one of the dangers of speaking to people in the research area is there's lots of things we'd like to measure in terms of Uh, immune tests so we can take stool samples blood samples uh, and we can take uh, saliva tests so there's a lot of things that we can measure and again you know the results are variable so we can spend a lot of money and take a lot of samples a lot of time so as I said it's one of the questions for us as well how do we measure uh, changes or benefits to the immune system and that can be a bit of a process and time expense as you said but also in the clinical effects so we ask people and they fill in you know questionnaires they tell us how you're feeling what symptoms have you got and can we see reductions in the issues that they're having? but ultimately it's about improved health and performance. Um, so there's the background immune tests, there's the clinical effects that the athletes report and then ultimately you know at the end of the day you know, are they feeling better and performing better? So there's a lot of work that has been done but a lot of work that needs doing to address those questions.
0: Absolutely, and you know you, you, you've done a great job there explaining you know how that affects um, the immunomodulatory effect, um, you know through the mucosal system. And once you start looking into that, of course, we're looking at you know where those um, you know where, where the uh, the problems sort of come into the body, of course, via things like payer's patches and. Um, through those tight junctions and various other things that we, you know, start to read about when we get into this, and when we do, um, we learn about um, this sort of permeability situation or hyperpermeability, which is where um, apparently there's a there's a lot of problems that are quite common in that regard, which um, is more popularly known as leaky gut or a leaky gut situation. I mean, how? You know, what is the relevance of that, do you think, um, as it relates to the scenarios that athletes might find themselves
1: in? Sure, and it's a bit of an irony, isn't it, because we Mm. talk about leaky gut and, you know, depending on who's listening and who you're talking to, you could take that at a whole body level. As I said, some of those symptoms uh, that I mentioned at the start of the broadcast um, so that we're all familiar with. So uh, the diarrhoea and... um, uh, loose stools and, and gas so we know what a leaky gut means at a whole body level uh, but as you said that uh, now if we look at uh, and this is the work that's been done more in the biomedical research field so it's a little away from the sort of things that myself and other colleagues would be doing in the sports science labs uh, so this is more in the, um, the universities and the research institutions so uh, the leaky gut also applies internally. So it's now the epithelial linings of the gastrointestinal tract. So you've got the, the bloodstream and obviously where nutrients uh, and substrates come in. And obviously, you know, there's a lot that happens at a cellular level. So in uh, the paper, uh, the review paper that we're discussing, but obviously other uh, scientific work in more detail, there's a lot of work that's gone into the actual mechanisms at a cellular level. That explain the loss of control and so where we get this disturbance uh, in terms of the good and bad bacteria and that might relate relate to upsetting the um, the epithelial linings and you mentioned about uh, the tight junctions hmm. so with the uh, and I'm thinking here of the schematic diagram that's in the paper uh, and so when things line up they're a bit like um, cottages or, or houses uh, that line up in a strip. So when things are in balance, um, the epithelial linings, and these tight junctions keep good control. So, uh, but during periods of disturbance, which can be a mechanical disturbance, or as I said, a chemical disturbance. So one of the other areas of interest in terms of the release of bad bacteria is endotoxins. So this is a release of um, endotoxins into the bloodstream and that can lead to a condition called endotoxemia, which can certainly make you feel a bit bit poor and a bit off. And so there's, again, there's some been work done and some historical studies going back into the 1980s and you can actually measure uh, endotoxins uh, in the blood. And so it's another test that has been done. So it's in the, the realm of the microbiologists. So another way we can get at uh, what's going on in the gut is to measure endotoxin release um, and uh, LPS or lipopolysaccharides so measuring uh, those the appearance of those or the increased concentration of LPS and endotoxemia and a few of the studies actually relate to extreme heat stress so again another area that I've had some interest in and so uh, myself and other colleagues around the world are looking at relationships between heat stress and the immune system so our focus today is looking at the probiotics so healthy eating and how that might be a good thing for maintaining gut health but another variable you need to consider is you know training and competing in, in hot environmental conditions so heat stress itself might have a negative impact but it's a two-way thing it might be interaction so it may be that the uh, gut health is upset which is then exacerbated by heat stress. So it's not just heat stress alone, which can be a factor, as we know. know, People can get uh, the symptoms uh, of heat stress. But again, it's these interaction effects. So someone that sort of has a little bit of a leaky gut internally has a loss of control at these tight junctions, release of endotoxins into the portal circulation and then into the bloodstream. And that in combination with uh, really... Uh, hot ambient conditions can lead to some people having um, heat stress so classically we people think of people where their core temperature starts to get up to 39 or 40 degrees Um, but there are some studies saying well actually it may be a combination of heat stress and a pre-existing disturbance in the gut um, that might lead to athletes having problems so it's yeah, such an interesting area, this whole uh, gut health, and our focus is on healthy eating and uh, probiotic supplementation, um, and that might be beneficial for, as we've been discussing, people who have had problems with the gut, but potentially athletes who have problems with the common cold and also people who have problems in the heat. Mm. So as you said, it's a really intriguing area, and even though simplistically we think, oh, it's healthy eating for gut, but this whole area, it does show the benefits not only are providing energy to train, but to boost the immune system, to reduce uh, health issues, and also perhaps to improve tolerance to hot conditions.
0: Yeah, it's, yeah, it's amazing really. And, and one area that I think is interesting, it's worth a quick chat about, which is related to this is, you know, athletes, Um, they train a lot but they also consume a lot or at least most of them do and some of the foods they consume a lot of are going to be things like um, dairy proteins, um, dairy products, uh, you know protein powders that sort of thing as well as potentially uh, lots of carbohydrates particularly from grains um, you know such as foods that are rich in things like glutens and so on so of course you know one of those really sort of big areas of of, you know that's popularized a a lot through the alternative stuff but you know people talk about the potential problems with dairy intolerance or or maybe more specifically uh, casein intolerance and or gluten or or gliadin intolerance in foods And, and, and rather than potentially cutting those foods out rightly or wrongly if you associate those foods with whatever symptoms you're having Um, it is worth considering that actually um, a big factor in your inability to quote-unquote tolerate those foods might have nothing to do with the fact that it's evil dairy or evil gluten um, or gliadin-containing foods. It could well be that you don't have appropriate balance of of these bacteria in the gut that help facilitate your um, digestion and absorption of these substances. I mean, how do you feel about that?
1: Uh, Well, I think you really strike a chord there and I guess a lot of listeners um, would identify with that so it's easy we said before about uh, the avalanche of advertising material uh, and misinformation and uh, misunderstandings and so people you know, who self-medicate in terms of medications but maybe in terms of uh, supplementation so yeah you know, this is a, a real issue that you know sports dietitians and sports practitioners, who have expertise in the area but uh, other sports scientists and in the snc space so you know these are everyday conversations Oh, i've heard something or read something or seen something in the blogosphere about this so i guess a more conservative conventional approach would be uh, as we've been discussing today this theme about well let's step back and uh, make sure we've got uh the basic issues covered first because you may be actually taking supplements or treating for a condition that doesn't exist and as you said it's trying to identify you know what the issues are uh and again there's a process to work through so as you said part of it is um you know, looking at uh the macronutrient but then getting into this uh, protein area and the dairy foods so rather than saying oh i've got issues i'm going to go straight to supplementation be it probiotic or one of the newer formulations that's got combination of probiotic species, so one or more of the species and the prebiotics and perhaps immunoglobulin, but it's just looking at this whole area of dairy uh, nutrition. So that's for protein. So protein is a macronutrient and then breaking it down uh, and looking at uh, the tolerance of various proteins and the sources of those proteins. So again, you know protein powders and supplements, there's a whole area and a lot of athletes that might be a good thing to do but it's looking at uh, those protein sources and the dairy sources. And so that's things like the cheeses and the milks and things that are fermented products. So in those dairy products, they only have a a fairly low concentration of of the probiotics. So depending on your total intake, and this is where it needs to get back to each, each of us and what we eat, and for athletes in training, so we would do a dietary review. So what's your total caloric intake and requirements, What your macronutrient uh, hydrates, fats and proteins. And then once we've sort of settled on, okay, we think here's the recommendations for this person on their proteins. Then we look at sources of that. And then we're looking at obviously uh, milk, cheese, dairy products, um, the protein contents of those. But as you said, these days, it's a lot about tolerance and it's about choice and preference. Uh, what people are happy to go with by taste and also perhaps what they feel works best for them in terms of tolerance and maybe their ability to train and ability to recover. So that's not a new thing, but uh, like you said, we just remind people, I often get asked, um, what do I recommend in terms of probiotic supplements? Mm. And then I go through the same key points that we're discussing today. So okay, tell me about your situation. So it might be in a team setting or it might be with a small group. or But it eventually gets down to the individual and then you go through that discussion. So uh, I'm sure the dieticians, you know, would have a process they work through and then I get in this space about, you know, we have a discussion with the team doctor, the dietitian, the coach, the S&C coach. So what are the requirements? Uh, what are the challenges? And then I get, okay, so are there any issues there in terms of, what they like to eat, or any uh, intolerances, and at that point, then I start giving advice. Okay, so in terms of probiotics, this is the dosage. Uh, these are the types, and these are the issues. So, again, that top-down approach.
0: Yeah, and it, it, there's sort of a double-sided sort of whammy to this conversation because also, as we've inferred earlier, about grains, some of, some of the some of the you know some of the carbohydrate sources in themselves might be necessary for these organisms to flourish, and of course. There's studies showing that um, dairy also, uh, in whey protein, is a prebiotic. <laughs> so so it, it can be a sort of an ironic uh, thing to cut some of these foods out. But um, listen, uh, because we don't have forever to talk about these things, and this, this is an amazing sort of topic, really, I, I, I think um, we sort of made it clear um, how these uh, probiotics are are of use, how they interact uh, with the body of the immune system to exert beneficial effects and and so on. Um, You know, one question, of course, people are going to be thinking is, okay, right, I've, I've decided that there's a reason here to take probiotics. And I understand I need to sort out my diet and all the other things. But that in itself is a minefield because not all probiotics are appropriate, uh, they don't all work, they're not necessarily packaged or delivered appropriately. I mean, what are the things that we need to understand in that regard?
1: Well, we got there in the end, didn't we? So we've had a a good discussion uh, about the background issues uh, and I guess we've taken that conventional approach. Uh, But now as we we get to the end, so it's really um, more that specific recommendation. So as I said, you need to go to obviously a reputable uh, provider so taking the advice of the healthcare practitioner, uh, sourcing those uh, probiotics. So we're obviously going for, and obviously the main food companies and the pharmaceutical and the food ingredient companies. So you're looking for the source of those in terms of the, uh, the probiotic species. As I said, you're looking for uh, Lactobacillus acidophilus and the subspecies, the bifidobacteria, the Lactobacillus rhamnosus, um, The uh, KSI Shirota, or you call it for a commercial name there. So, there are half a dozen species that have some evidence in a sports medicine setting. So, they're the combinations of probiotics. It could be in uh, combination with the prebiotic. The dosage is important. You only go back a few years where most of the probiotic capsules were marketed at like 1 billion. Uh, CFU is the jargon, it's colony forming units. So a concentration of one billion to two billion, you know, lactobacillus acidophilus per capsule. Um, but in the last three to five years you would have seen that increase to perhaps five billion and then ten billion. And within the last probably twelve months there are $30 billion and 50 billion So in terms of getting a sufficient dosage, like a lot of you know, foodstuffs and supplements. So the species is important, the concentration, so taking you know, upwards of 10 to 25 billion, where most recommendations are, but packs uh, even up to 30 to 50 billion, seems to be where some of the research is pointing. In terms of taking that on a daily basis, you get getting a routine, so you need to take these for 14 days or more to allow time for the uh, good bacteria to colonise. So if we have athletes uh, competing in a big competition or travelling away, or going into a heavy training phase, you need to allow a few weeks. So it's about making dietary changes well in advance to allow time for the beneficial effects uh, to be yielded. And also, in case there's any early rumbles, sometimes when you're changing your bacterial balance, you get these sort of side effects. Normally, they're pretty mild in the short term. So it's the timing for a few weeks in advance. It's getting the right... Uh, probiotics and it's then potentially as you said taking it uh, with food so if you might get better tolerance um, of that and making sure you look after the probiotics again the latest preparations can be held at room temperature you only have to go back a couple of years where the prebiotics had to be refrigerated uh, so keeping those in the fridge but some of the newer ones um, can be kept on the shelf at room temperature So the technology is improving a lot, but you just need to work your way through that checklist with your healthcare practitioner to make sure you're getting the best possible advice.
0: Yes, no, thank you. And, you know, I mean, this is a big area. I I remember I recently Googled, sorry, Google Scholar and pubmed this topic. uh, And I mean, there were somewhere between sort of 700 and 1,000 studies, I think. Um, I mean, it's a big area. Um, so there's an awful lot that, that one can do to read up on this. And as I mentioned at the beginning, your review paper, your recent one in the European Journal of Sports Science, um, Probiotic Supplementation for Athletes, Clinical and Physiological Effects. I'll make uh, the links to that um, available once this podcast is out. is well worth a read and there are many uh, references in there that folks can follow up with. Um, but that, that really brings us to the end of of the podcast uh, I always try my best to keep these to an hour <laughs> I mean this is something you could spend um, five year uh, four, three to five years on a PhD on let alone um, an hour's podcast so um, I appreciate your time David it's been great to share the current knowledge and and the uh, uh, the rationale etc behind this and the available evidence that, that we can consider and use in our own practices or, or for us personally um, if folks want to learn more about um, you and what you're up to? Do you, do you have a uh, do you tweet much, or uh, do you have a department website people can have a look at?
1: Uh, we do. So our sports nutrition website at the Australian Institute of Sport uh, is a good place to start. So the web address is uh, www. Uh, AusSport, I'll spell it. That's a u s p o r t. Dot So www.ausport.gov.au and if you go sports nutrition, there's a range of uh, materials there, and particularly our popular fact sheet series. And you will find one on probiotics that we've just uh, updated, so information is to hand. But there's a, a range of other and a lot of the topics that we've just touched on uh, today. So certainly that would be a good place to start.
0: Yeah, that'd be great. And I, you know, I actually have another expert coming on uh, from the UK soon um, about prebiotics and. Um, uh, um that, again, is a really fascinating area, and um, which we touched upon. But um, I, I've had uh, Dr. Glenn Davison on, um, who's an exercise immunologist. We talked a little bit about the leaky gut situation uh, before, actually. And um, Dr. Gethin-Evans, we talked about gut function as well. So, you know, it's a big subject, really. Um, but given the popularity of supplements and so on, I felt that it would be important for us to discuss that and, and I know folks will enjoy listening to this so um, once again thank you very much for your time David It's uh, it's been great um, that brings us to the end of this uh, podcast on probiotics uh, and athletes you can learn more about this podcast um, and everything that we do at Guru Performance at guruperformance.com you can of course um, if you want to further educate yourself there are plenty of fine programs around the world, or you can consider the um, ISSN Postgraduate Diploma Program that I run, um, which you can learn about at issndiploma.com, or if you wish to come study sports and exercise nutrition with me at uh, the University of Middlesex, where I'm the Program Leader for the Master's Degree Program there, uh, you can also find that uh, linked via guruperformance.com on the ISSN Diploma Program. Um, I'd like to say thank you to the uh, sponsors of this podcast, which is Healthspan Elite, um, who uh, produce a variety of nutritional products, uh, Informed Sports Certified, including probiotics. You can learn about them at healthspanelite.co.uk. And um, I, of course, am Laurel Bannock, and it's been wonderful to share this information with you. I look forward to bringing another podcast back to you all very soon.